Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm gl- glad that we're together for this time because it's going to be an incredible couple hours. As you know, I always plan the very best show I can for you every day. And Rebecca is so amazing at putting everything together. And we've got uh, Lee Strobel with me for the first hour, which I can hardly wait. And then uh, Trillia Newbell will be with me in the second hour. And then Friday with Friends, uh, which should be an opportunity for me to chat with one of my friends and where my friend is in his faith journey. So that's going to be what's ahead. I've been thinking about Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, for like all week, which is be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. I think that's what the message I've been needing to hear all week, because I've been struggling with that. All right, let's take a little break and then bring on my very special guest, uh, Lee Strobel, in just a minute. God is waiting to give you wisdom. You just have to ask. So you say, God, I need wisdom. And I pray and I ask. Then I read the Bible. I read this book. And then I wait. And at the right time, maybe not immediately, at the right time, God will put that idea in my mind. And he'll go, wow, that's an inspiration. That's what I need to do. Fuel for a deep and active faith. Faith Radio. I'm Faith Radio Manager Neil Stavum. Thanks to all who gave during our spring fundraiser, we're now over 90% of the way to being fully funded. Now we can finish the work with a handful of new friends giving average-sized gifts between now and June 30th when our budget year ends. Would you give a gift of $30 a month to help support this ministry? Seven Team 360 gifts each day will meet the need by the end of June. Let today be your day to join in. Make your gift online at myfaithradio.com. Welcome to the show. So glad you're with me today. Lee Strobel is my guest. Of course, he's a New York Times bestselling author, and he's got uh, the Lee Strobel Center for Evangelism and Applied Apologetics at Colorado Christian University. He's with me for the whole hour. How lucky am I? Lee, good afternoon. Hello, Bill. How you doing, my I'm, friend? I'm doing well. You're in Houston today, huh? I am. I uh, moved down here to be near my grandchildren. Uh, my two oldest ones live right around the corner. We help homeschool them. So. Oh, fantastic. Whereabouts in yeah. Houston? I used to live in Houston. Oh, you're no kidding. We're yeah. up in the woodlands. Oh, beautiful. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> the New York Times bestselling list paid off. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the only problem is the uh, humidity starting in now. Uh, June's getting close. Of course, and, yeah. Uh, and it's then a, hurricane season, so. <laughs> yeah. It's unbelievable. By the time you lock your door and walk to your car, you're already hot and sweaty. It really is amazing, but, you know, I lived in Chicago so many years. My favorite motto is you don't have to shovel the humidity down here. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> That's so true. Well, let's uh, let's just talk about our our the the dear loss of Robbie Zach- Zacharias. That was just uh, yeah. That brother is uh, was an amazing brother. He really was. You know, everybody that met Robbie uh, came away feeling like Robbie's my friend. Right. You know, he he had that ability to be 
you know, a cultural prophet, someone who spoke powerfully into our culture, uh, a challenging person in his speaking and so forth, but an encouraging person. But in the end, um, he did what First Peter 3.15 says. He, he, you know, defended the faith, but he did it with gentleness and respect. Mm-hmm. And, and that was one of the things that really made Robbie unique, his ability to love people. He didn't see questions as an affront. He didn't see questions as uh, something negative. He saw it as part of a journey, and he loved people. He loved God, and he was a good friend, and, and uh, uh, I have many friends as part of his organization, and uh, it's a great loss. He 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 was a, a a towering figure in the area of apologetics. Yeah, I never really saw him get overwhelmed or or flooded. He was just the the calmness in his spirit was amazing. Yeah, it, it really was. He had this uh, this sense, as you say, of calmness, of of a quiet confidence, humility, and um, and yet he spoke with great conviction and great um, uh, force and very poetic, uh, very prayerful. Uh, I, I, just a wonderful guy. I had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with him when I interviewed him for my book, The Case for Faith. And, uh, of course, he brings that Eastern perspective, which is always very interesting. His newest book, um, uh, Look at Jesus from the East, um, that he co-authored with Abdu Murray, who's a former Muslim mm-hmm. attorney. And, um, you know, just his ability to kind of shake up our Western views and, yeah. and uh, expose us to a new perspective. You know, and Lee, when we look at... Uh um, supernatural things. People outside of Western culture see things quite differently than than we don't, don't they? They do. Yeah, you're right. And there are very many places in the world where the supernatural is a, a much more common mm-hmm. uh, um, aspect of their daily life. And I think that's why one of the phenomena we see around the world is that uh, I don't think miracles, uh, contemporary miracles, are necessarily evenly spaced around the planet. We, see the, uh, we, we tend to see them clustered. Uh, we see them clustered in places where the gospel is just beginning to break in. And often those are areas where there's a lot of illiteracy. People can't read the scriptures uh, themselves, and, uh, and, they, and they often have a, um, uh, a lot of superstitions and a lot of um, supernatural misconceptions. And I think the, the breaking in of miracles at those places, like Mozambique, places in uh, South America and so forth, China, um, uh, it, it, they can respond to that um, because it's, it's something that is a little more consistent with their worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I've, I've seen it said that up to 90% of the growth of the church in China is attributed to people who either themselves or they know someone who's had a supernatural healing in their life. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, and I come from a, a very mainstream evangelical background. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I'm not a, from a charismatic background, but uh, I was curious because, you know, I came to faith from atheism because of the miracle, uh, historical evidence for the miracle of the resurrection. And I wondered, you know, is God still doing miracles? Is he still in the miracle business? And that's what prompted me to spend a couple of years investigating that uh, for my book, uh, The Case for Miracles. Yeah, and I definitely want to ask many more questions about that. I bookmarked something this week, knowing you were going to be on the show, that I wanted to ask you about. It comes out of the book, John, where Jesus says, uh, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Well, Jesus did the most spectacular things <laughs> imaginable, and yet we can do these things and greater things. Do you know, do you have any insight on that verse? Well, I, 
think the greater things are what we do in terms of bringing people to eternal life. Yes. Uh, you know, he raised Lazarus from the dead. Uh, we, by sharing the gospel with people and sharing the good news of Christ, can um, uh, can bring them eternal life. Uh, so in that sense, there's a, a greater benefit uh, to people who uh, come alive through the truth of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to ask about um, the science that is supporting miracles. Yeah. Now, there's a, a new study that documents a blind woman's healing. Yeah. It's fascinating. Um, and this is part of a trend. There's uh, researchers around the world, <clears throat> excuse me, who are using um, scientific techniques uh, and, and medical investigation to try to document miracles. And they do it in a variety of different ways. One of them is through case studies that are published in peer-reviewed uh, medical journals. Uh, and this is the one you're referring to, was published in a peer-reviewed medical journal. It's an account uh, medically documented of a woman who had uh, juvenile mascul- uh, macular degeneration, which is incurable. She was uh, blind. She went to a school for the blind. She used a white cane for mobility. She read Braille. And um, she married a, uh, a man who was a Baptist pastor. And, and one night uh, at bedtime, they're both very emotional, and uh, he put his hand on her shoulder, and, and, and they were both crying. And he prayed. He said, oh, God, you can restore her eyesight tonight, Lord. I know you can do it, and I pray you'll do it tonight. And so she opened her eyes, and in her words, she said, I was blind when my husband prayed for me. And then just like this, in a, uh, in a moment, after years of darkness, I could see perfectly. It was miraculous. Within seconds, my life had drastically changed. Uh, I could see. And it's been 47 years since that uh, took place, and her eyesight has remained uh, clear wow. to this day. So what do you do with that? You know, um, Good question. The, yeah, I mean, scientifically, we can't prove a miracle because, you know, science deals with the natural world. This is a supernatural intervention. Um, but on the other hand, science and medicine can document things sufficiently, I believe, so that we can have confidence a miracle did take place. In other words, I think when we have solid documentation medically and so forth, uh, when we have multiple incredible eyewitnesses who have no motive to deceive, uh, when there are no other naturalistic explanations, uh, if this takes place in a context of prayer, then I think you can reasonably conclude that a miracle has taken place. A scientist isn't going to say that. But, uh, but indeed, I think you can reach that reasonable conclusion as a result, especially with an incurable medical condition. This is the only account in the history of medicine that anybody's been able to find of a woman spontaneously healed mm-hmm. of juvenile macular degeneration after, seven, after a dozen years. So, um, uh, you know, and that's not the only case. We had another case of, of a man uh, who had uh, gastroparesis, which is a severe digestive issue, uh, uh, so that he, from infancy, had to have two feeding tubes inserted into him. Can you imagine? No. So, so for 16 years of his life, he had these feeding tubes. He went to a church. Um, he was prayed for. He said, I felt like an electric shock was going down from my shoulder to my stomach, and he was instantly healed. And they took the tubes out. It's the only case ever of this being healed. Um, and, and it's been seven years, and he's still fine. And again, researchers documented the medical evidence, and this has been published in a peer-reviewed medical journal. So, you know, this is this is new kind of uh, frontier uh, for this issue of miracles. Can we be confident that uh, there is good evidence to back them up? Yeah. Now, Lee, I want to take a little break, but when I come back, I want to ask you about your journey 
in believing all this because you say you grew up in a mainline church and you're not very charismatic and I would put myself in that camp. So um, it would be a little bit of a harder stretch for me to, to believe some of this stuff. But um, and another question I have is, does some of these stories do more harm than good? Because now everyone wants to get their story up on this and get their prayer answered the same way. And what happens mm-hmm. if it doesn't happen? Sure. Yeah, so I'm not trying to be skeptical. I'm just really interested to hear your take on this. Lee Strobel is my guest. We'll be uh, back in 90 seconds. Welcome back. Lee Strobel is my guest, chatting about a little bit of everything. Right now we're talking about The Case for Miracles. It's a book he wrote, and we're just kind of diving into miracles and stories of them, and a blind woman got healed, and she's been healed for, what, 47 years, Lee? Is that right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's quite a story. All right, so uh, tell me your journey about, uh, you started off maybe a little bit more skeptical, and where are you today? Yeah, um, you know, I... Um... As I say, I didn't grow up in a charismatic background. Um, I was an atheist for much of my life. I came to faith in an interdenominational church, uh, did not emphasize or I, I never saw a supernatural healing. Um, but, and I'll say this, um, about uh, 10 years ago, I almost died. I was on my deathbed. Um, the doctor looked at me in the emergency room and said, you're one step away from a coma, two steps away from dying. And uh, I was, for about 10 days, kind of right there between life and death. Did my Christian friends and my wife and my children pray for me? Yes. Did they ask God to heal me? Yes. Yes. Did I recover? Yes. Was it miraculous? I don't think so. Uh, You know, because God most often works through natural processes. He works through these natural laws that he created. He works through doctors. He works, and, and so, you know, do I think my healing or, and my recovery was supernatural? Uh, no, I think I can, I can see, medically speaking, how they treated me and how I recovered as a result. But what do I do with this other study? There's another one where a professor with a Ph.D. from Harvard, a professor at Indiana University, a secular university, heard that there was a cluster of miracles taking place in Mozambique where the gospel was breaking in. So she said, I'm going to investigate it. She sends a team of researchers out there. They go into the bush, into these little villages in the middle of nowhere, and they say, bring us all your deaf and blind. So they, people bring people who are deaf, blind, or severely hearing and vision impaired. Immediately, they test them scientifically. What is the level of their hearing? What is the level of their vision? So they get those readings. Then immediately, they're prayed for in the name of Jesus by people who kind of have a track record of God using them this way. Mm -hmm. And then immediately after that, they tested them scientifically again. Has there been any change? Has there been any improvement? And guess what they found? In virtually every case, there was a significant improvement. In fact, the average uh, improvement... Uh, for visual uh, acuity was tenfold. And there was a woman, as an example, named Martine, who could not hear the equivalent of a jackhammer next to her. She's prayed for, 
tested again. Now she can hear a normal conversation. Wow. Now, and then they were so skeptical of these results, they went to see, can we replicate them? They went to Brazil, another place where there's been a cluster of miracles. They did the same test. They got the same results. Now, this is a scientifically valid study that was accepted for publication in a secular, scientific, peer-reviewed medical journal and published there. Mm-hmm. What do you do with that? So I, I tracked down the, the professor who did it, and I said, what does this show? And she said, Lee, our study shows that something is going on. She said, this is more than wishful thinking. It's not fakery. It's not fraud. It's not some televangelist trying to get widows to send in their money. It's not a highly charged atmosphere that plays on people's emotions. Something, she said, is going on. Now, as a scientist, you can't say what it is, uh, but I, I think it's reasonable to conclude that something supernatural has taken place. Um, so what do you do with that? Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I look at these, and there's been other studies, different kinds of studies that have been done that have also shown that people prayed for have an increase in, um, in their medical outcome, better outcomes than those who are not prayed for. Um, now, I, I'm a little skeptical of those studies because you can't stop people from praying for certain people. In other words, you can't have one group being prayed for and another group not being prayed for. Certainly some people are praying for the people that aren't formally being prayed for, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So I, I, I'm a little skeptical of those studies. But they, they tend to show that there is an impact from prayer. So um, I my conclusion is that uh, God is still supernaturally active in the world. In fact, I did, I commissioned George Barnes organization to do a national survey, scientific poll. And uh, we asked a cross-section of Americans, adults, have you ever had at least one experience that you can only explain as a miracle of God? And um, 38% of American adults said yes. Now, if you extrapolate that number, that would mean there would be nearly 100 million miracles just in the United States. But let's say 99% are wrong. Let's say, um, uh, you know, they think it's a miracle, but it was really a big coincidence. So, so get rid of 99%. That still leaves a million examples mm-hmm. of God's supernatural intervention. So, you know, it's kind of opened my eyes to the fact that maybe – uh, I need to be more um, cognizant of God's intervention uh, around me. You know, Lee, I was thinking of this village in Mozambique, and I'm I'm excited to think that the Lord would uh, allow these miracles to be profoundly evident in front of this tribe or this village, yeah. where there could be an explosion of new believers, and God knew exactly what it would take to open yeah. their eyes to see truth. That's exactly right. You know, that's a great way to put it, because... You know, I'm a skeptic by nature. My background's in journalism and law. I'm very oriented toward evidence. What did God use to reach me? He used the evidence historically right. for the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, my wife um, is, is much more of a feeler than a, a thinker. Obviously, she's a bright person, but, you know, she reacts and, and sees the world uh, largely in personal terms, emotional terms, loving terms. And when she heard the gospel, she just she immediately embraced it. Uh, she didn't need that kind of evidence to come to faith. Um, and I think, you know, God will use what God needs to use 
to uh, communicate his truth in a way that is going to sync up with the, the individual involved. Now, whether they respond to it is up to them, I believe. But um, I think God is capable of bringing to people what they need in order to respond to the message of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Lee, are angelic appearances part of God's miracles? Um, I think they can be. I think we see it in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, here's an interesting story about that that may kind of blow your mind. Um, Charles Templeton, I don't know if you know that name. Charles Templeton was the pulpit partner of Billy Graham. He became an atheist. Um, he was Billy Graham's dearest friend. Um, became an atheist after going to a liberal seminary um, and wrote some very negative books about God. He was the most famous atheist in Canada. And I interviewed him for my book, The Case for Faith, and I asked him why he was an atheist, and he told me all these reasons. And I asked him, well, who do you think Jesus is? And he began to cry and said, well, I miss him so much. And um, so anyway, here's this famous atheist. His wife, who is not a Christian, so she's not coloring this to fit a Christian narrative, she said when he was on his deathbed, he said to her, honey, do you see him? Do you see him? And she said, what are you talking about? They're here. They've come from, you can't see this angel right here? Mm-hmm. No, I can't see him. He was completely convinced before his death that angels had come for him. I think he came to faith. Uh, before he passed from this world. But there's an example of someone making that claim. Um, Nothing to gain. Um, Could you write it off as maybe he was under the influence of narcotic and painkillers? Yeah, you can. But there have been biblical examples of angels appearing as well. Why couldn't they continue in these days? Mm -hmm. And when I hear these stories, I, I always am really interested, but I seldom repeat them. You know what? I don't either. And, and why and, is that? Well, because, you know, I'm an evangelist by nature. I want to reach people for Christ. I don't want to put any barriers up to people coming to faith. And if, if I raise a question like this of a supernatural miracle, um, it's just going to, I think, stoke their skepticism sometimes. Mm-hmm. And they're going to try to poke holes in it. And now I've diverted myself from really getting to the gospel. I try to minimize the objections. And so I focus on one miracle, which is the miracle of the resurrection of Jesus, and use the historical evidence to help them understand that uh, we have good um, reasons to believe that he did return from the dead and thus prove he is a son of God. Um, so I, I, I major in that miracle. But I, I like to have these in my back pocket because every once in a while people will expect, uh, express skepticism about um, God and his existence and whether he's active and whether he cares. And I may tell them about, um, you know, this scientific study or give them a copy of the Southern Medical Journal, the secular medical journal mm-hmm. that published the Mozambique story and say, you know, what do you think? Um, but I think it's, it's a different matter when someone themselves or they know someone who's had an experience like this. Yeah. And I think, according to uh, Craig Keener, who's a great expert on miracles, Ph.D., uh, has written a um, two-volume case study of miracles. He's the one who says that, um, you know, the vast majority of the growth in the Church of China is attributed to um, supernatural um, healings taking place. Wow, that's amazing. Lee Strobel is my guest. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, I'm real curious if you've had a miracle experience, one of those supernatural events that's taken place in your life, and it's very vivid to you, and you'd be nice enough to text me what it is. I'd love to see it, and I know Lee would love to hear about it, too. 
Text number is 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. Be back with Lee Strobel in just a minute. the show. Lee Strobel is my guest. I'm talking about miracles today. He's written a book called The Case for Miracles. And do miracles really exist? And uh, this book is really features the results of uh, exclusive and, and scientific polling, firsthand reports, and show really shows that miracles are, are much more common than people think. And that is uh, fascinating, as I love stories of miracles, because I've experienced significant healings in the lives of loved ones. I've seen it happen. And I I always think, was that super medicine or was that miraculous healing power of God or a combination of both? How do I think about that, Lee? Well, I think it, often it is, as I say, God working through the, the laws of nature that he himself created, which is nonetheless amazing and awesome that God, the author of life, the creator of the universe, is able to work through the processes he's created in order to heal us, which I believe he did for me when I was hospitalized. Um, but then there are those times when, you know, there, there, you're an incurable condition, there's no natural explanation, there's solid documentation, there's multiple witnesses, they don't have any motive to deceive, it's taking place in the context of prayer. And I just step back from that and I go, you know what, God is still in the miracle business. Yeah. Um, now, you raised a question earlier, which I think is profound, which is, what about when you pray and nothing happens? Yeah. You know, uh, we all prayed for Ravi Zacharias, and uh, he died. Um, you know, I mean, what do you do with that? And, and I knew I couldn't write a book on miracles without dealing responsibly with that issue. So what I did is I went to a guy uniquely qualified to discuss this. He's not only a Ph.D. in philosophy, um, but... Um, his name is Douglas Groteis at Denver Seminary. Uh, he's written a 714-page book on the evidence for God. I had him uh, on this week. Oh, you did? Yeah. You're kidding. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, that's excellent. I love well, him. I, you know, I do, too. Yeah. You know, his wife, at the time I interviewed him, was dying of an incurable brain condition. I know. Yep. And they had, I don't know if you talked to him about that on the I air. Many but, times, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you know the story. I mean, she yeah. was, and when I interviewed uh, him, she was in, she was so bad at that point, she didn't know what a hairbrush was or right. what a telephone was. And so I interviewed him, and um, um, it, it was one of the most profound interviews I've ever conducted. And I, and I encourage anybody who wrestles with this issue of unanswered prayer to, to, to read that interview. But his answer, and I think it's a good one, is, you know, God is sovereign. God will do as God will do. His ways are above our ways. He um, uh, understands and sees things and knows things that we don't know. Uh, ultimately promises all his followers will be healed, um, not necessarily in this life, perhaps as they transition into a life of eternity with him. Um, and he said, keep in mind, miracles were not automatic in the New Testament either. Um, Matthew says that uh, Jesus didn't do many miracles in Nazareth. 
uh, in Matthew chapter 10, the disciples are given authority to heal, and then seven chapters later, they can't heal an epileptic boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul didn't heal everybody. He had a, a buddy named Trophimus who was sick, and Paul, did he heal him? No, he went off on a missionary journey and left him behind. Right. So, you know. Yeah, um, not to mention to the understand. thorn in his own side. Yeah, that's right, exactly. And we don't have any evidence that he was healed of that. So, um, you know, healings are not automatic. And, and it's interesting. I interviewed a woman named Barbara Snyder, the most documented miracle I'd ever come across. Um, two doctors of hers have written books about it because there's no medical explanation. Uh, I won't give you the whole long story, but she was on her deathbed, and, and uh, 450 Christians began praying for her, and she literally heard the voice of God saying, get up and walk, and she did, and she's been totally healed for many years. But um, I interviewed her, and um, uh, I, I said, why you? Why you? And, and why not my wife, who, who has a medical condition that keeps her in pain every day for uh, 20 years and, 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 and will be the rest of her life uh, unless God intervenes? Um, what about, you know, what about Robbie Zacharias? What about, you know, these other people aren't healed? And she said, Lee, I don't know. I don't know why God healed me the way that he did. I, I don't have an explanation for it. And, and that's the common comment that I get. There, there's a, another guy who was healed supernaturally. In fact, the healing is, is actually was actually audio taped, and you can listen to it, um, of his voice being healed. Um, and um, he's now a pastor in uh, Dallas, and uh, he said the same thing. He said, I don't have a formula for how this works. I can't tell you, do this, this, and this, and you'll, you'll have supernatural healing. Um, I don't know why God healed me and didn't heal someone else. So uh, these are things that maybe we'll understand in eternity. But um, for some reason, there appear to be those instances where God reaches in and does something um, supernatural. And, um, you know, it does cause people, especially in the leading edge growth of Christianity, to come to faith. So, Lee, do you, do you think most people come out of a miracle saying, good, I got my life back, or do they come out of it saying, God must have a very specific purpose for me going forward, or well, both? Well, I think uh, mostly the latter. Okay. I, I think of Barbara Snyder. She came out of her deathbed experience uh, totally healed, and she went off and married a uh, pastor, and they've got a church. Uh, it's a Wesleyan church, not a charismatic church. It's a Wesleyan church out in um, um, Fredericksburg, Virginia, and they have a great little community of believers there reaching out to the community. It changed her life. Mm-hmm. And and you see that often, how I, I think of Dwayne Miller, whose uh, voice was supernaturally healed after his vocal cords have been paralyzed by a virus, and uh, he's now uh, serving God as a pastor near Dallas. He actually has a daily radio show in Dallas talking about God. So I think often it, it, it prompts people to change the direction of their life. Yeah. I listened to that recording of that sermon where yes. he had a, a very compromised voice, which he had for years and years and years, and he got his voice back in the middle of the of the sermon. You could just feel the crowd sobbing. Yeah. In fact, if, if they go to the website, your listeners, it's newvoice, org. 
and you can listen to uh, that recording as the miracle took place. It's, it's rather spectacular. He'd been, he'd been in, uh, examined over three years by over 60 voice specialists, including a whole symposium of voice specialists in Switzerland, mm-hmm. who all concluded that his prognosis was zilch. This guy's voice was not going to come back. His vocal cords are, are um, paralyzed. And then his whole Sunday school class asked him to come and speak as best he could. Even though his voice was kind of like this. And uh, he starts preaching from the Psalms about the miracle power of God to heal, and um, ironically. And you hear the video, the audio tape of how his voice comes back in the midst of that. And you yeah. hear in the background people gasping because they knew him. I know. It's amazing. It's pretty yeah. powerful. Yeah, I listened to it. It's pretty powerful. So, uh, Leo, a listener wrote in, and of course, this is so powerful. In 2006, a car accident, the C2 disc in her uh, neck was broken. So when that happens, you are paralyzed or you die. Mm. And she says, I'm alive with no uh, paralyzation or after effects from the accident. Wow. Uh, I was immediately put on three prayer chains by a friend who lived near the accident took place. Yes, I believe in miracles. The God of miracles, his name is Jesus, the great I am. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've had people come up to me, and I speak on this topic sometimes, and one guy brought up to me and said, look at my x-rays. Here they are. <laughs> <laughs> here's before and here's after. And yeah. I see these shattered bones, and I see a complete healing. And I go, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's 38%. And, and often I'll speak at a church, and I'll, ask, I'll just say to people, you know, raise your hand if you've had at least one experience in your life that you can only explain as a miracle. Mm-hmm. And probably 70% of the hands go up. And the reason is, that's why they're in church because <laughs> they've come to faith or they, their faith is such that uh, it's been strengthened by their um, miracle that they've had and that's why they're there so it's a skewed crowd yeah. but, um, but still lots of lots of, and, and not all of them are, are healings I had an incident um, years ago where I was praying and, and I felt very distinctly God leading me to take $500 out of the bank which was about all the money I had at the time, and to give it anonymously to a, a woman in our church who uh, had struggled. And um, I, I said to Leslie, I, I think this must be from God, because I don't I want to give away five of all our money. And she prayed, she said, Lee, I'm feeling not only that, but we're to do this and mail it to her anonymously so she gets it Monday. I, okay, so we got the money, we sent it. And uh, Monday morning, my phone rings, and um, it was the woman, and she's crying. And I said, what's wrong? She said, uh, my car broke down over the weekend. Uh, it's going to cost $497 to fix. <laughs> I'm going to lose my job if we can't. If I can't, I don't know what to do. Would you pray for me? So I said very confidently, yes, I will pray for you right now. <laughs> was that and before the mail had arrived? After, yeah, knowing that <laughs> afternoon the money came. And, oh, and funny. I, to this day, she doesn't know it was it was me. But And I thought, you know, why couldn't God have prevented her car from breaking down? But then I thought I wouldn't have the joy of being an answer to someone's prayer. Yeah, that's a great point. All right, let me ask you this. When you have a, a story that you feel is like miraculous, and then you you fill in the blanks and decide it's a miracle versus, uh, what am I trying to say here? Mm. Um, you the criteria? Yeah, what's the criteria? That's a good yeah. way of putting it. Yeah, it's a good way to look at it. I think, uh, number one, um, how well documented is it? Okay. Do you have medical records before and after? Okay. A lot of people don't because they don't go back to the doctor and get x-rays after they're better. 
they just feel better, and so they don't. But So do you have doc, solid documentation? Do you have multiple incredible eyewitnesses, people who um, are physicians or who are responsible people who, who aren't, don't have anything to gain? You're not writing a book about it and trying mm-hmm. to sell it and that kind of thing. Is there no other naturalistic explanation, like this woman I mentioned being healed of juvenile macular gen- degeneration? That's an incurable condition. Mm-hmm. Or this uh, man uh, of the um, gastroparesis, that's an incurable condition. So there's no natural explanation. And does it take place in the context of prayer or some supernatural um, environment, uh, context of um, spirituality, of, of reaching out to God? Yeah. And, and so I, I kind of, those are kind of things I look at um, to see is it, and, and, and you know, was there any uh, trickery possibly involved? Could there have been, you know, is there a reason that you might consider this or suspect it to be fraudulent? Because there are those cases. And I acknowledge that in my book. There have been cases of fraud. There have been cases of over-emotionalism. There have been cases of spontaneous healing that takes place naturally um, in some uh, diseases. Um, I acknowledge all that, but it doesn't explain all of them. That's the uh, really intriguing part of it. So a listener uh, wrote in and said, uh, and I, I, I'm, I'm honoring of everyone's experience. So um, he said that he was 13 and he was almost kidnapped. Mm. And he ran into an alley and the car followed but came to a stop and didn't move. But he could hear the engine revving up. And he thinks that there was an angel that stopped the car. Mm. Of, course, of course, there's no way to, there's no right. criteria for validating that. But um, when you hear a story like that, and I think that's a, a miracle if he was in fact... Uh, this this person, this predator, was restrained somehow. Yeah. Spirit, you know, supernaturally. That's a very cool story. Well, there's a similar one um, where, I, in my book, uh, one of the people mentions it. I didn't investigate it personally, but this, the what happened was uh, a ba- a young child fell out of a car, a moving car, going at highway speed oh, before seatbelts. And um, uh, so, of course, I thought, oh my gosh, she's, he's going to be dead. They turned around, they went back to him, and uh, he described how a man caught him. Um, and clearly there was no man around. Um, it, it could only have been an angel. Um, and that's what he believes to this day, that he was caught by uh, an angel. Um, what do you do with that? It's, it's hard to document that, but it's hard to explain how he could have fallen out of the car and not had a scratch on him. Um, you know, I interviewed, in fact, that story comes from a guy who's a professor, a Ph.D. in theology at Baylor University. And uh, I wrote a chapter called Embarrassed by the Supernatural, because his point is, you know, a lot of us as evangelicals, a lot of evangelical churches are embarrassed by the supernatural. We want to be accepted by our neighbors. We want to be seen as being normal. We don't want to be seen as being bizarre or believing in weird things. We want them to think we're just like them, except we believe in Jesus. And um, and so we kind of are embarrassed when somebody brings up the idea that somebody may have been supernaturally healed. I, I think there's some truth to that. He said to me, you know, Lee, I can look at the parking lot of a church and tell you whether they believe in miracles based on the kind of cars in the parking lot. <laughs> Meaning, when they're nice, expensive Cadillacs and and um, uh, Mercedes, um, you know, these are people who are highly successful and probably wouldn't want to sully their hands with the <laughs> idea that God might intervene. Yeah. Now, now that may be a little unfair, but um, I think it is true that there are evangelicals who are embarrassed by the supernatural, and that interview with him is, is pretty provocative. Yeah. 
Let me take a little break. Lee Strobel is my guest. His book is The Case for Miracles. We'll be right back. Strobel's my guest, and Lee, I've had a couple of uh, messages come in. They're both very powerful, and they, they both uh, involve uh, water, I think. Let's see. Uh, this gentleman called, and he has three sons, and one of his sons, when he was 10, um, was uh, lost his life in a boating accident. But two weeks before the accident, his son told him he was visited by an angel. Hmm. And he said to his dad, I, you know, I, I didn't know him, and I wasn't scared, but I didn't want him to go. Two weeks later, he dies in a boating accident. Wow. Interesting. And this other uh, listener said, um, let's see, where'd this one go? Um, I I woke up one night with my heart pounding after a dream. In the dream, there was rough gray water, and I saw the end of a boat trailer. I thought, that was a weird dream, and didn't think about it until the next day when the highway patrol and pastor came to tell me our son had died. He was found lying on a boat trailer. Hmm. Then I remembered the dream. Yeah, I mean there are these things. How do you explain some of this stuff? It's it's um, you know, they're head scratchers, and um, sometimes you sit back and you ask yourself, you know, why would God do if this is from God? Why would He do this? And uh, does it make sense, or what is He trying to show us, and so forth? Um, and and I think for a lot of people, you know, who've had an experience, it stays with them the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, pe- people, when I talk about this place, is, um, and I'm signing books later or whatever, one after the other, people come up to me and tell me their stories. And, um, you know, for, for each one of them, it's a life-altering uh, experience. It's something they never forget. And uh, it seems to strengthen their faith, whether or not we listen to it and go, okay, you know, that's interesting or, or provocative. To them... They walk away saying, my faith is deepened, or I, I, I believe God is there, he's, he's intervening, he's looking at me, he's aware of our circumstances, he's letting me know that things are going to be okay, or, or whatever. Yeah, that's why I want to be so honoring of every experience I'm told, even if I can, you know, yeah. even if my eyes roll a little bit in my head. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think we have to honor it. And, of course, you know, the ones I publish, I try to investigate to right. make sure that there's, um, um, they're especially the, the ones that are airtight. And, um, you know, Craig Keener in his book uh, documents ones all around the world. And um, uh, th- those are mind-blowing. Yeah. Another listener uh, said, what about people and ministries who claim to have raised the dead? Well... Um, good question. I do, in my book, have reports. Uh, I have one in particular of an incident in Florida where I'm doing this from memory from my book. It's in the book documented. But um, a guy came into emergency room uh, with heart problems. He died right there of a heart attack. Uh, they worked on him forever trying to get him to come back. There was no heartbeat. There was nothing. Doctor examines him. Uh, his blood is beginning to pool. His extremities are turning black. He's dead. He's declared dead. And uh, they say to the nurse, um, you know, start washing the body and we'll take it to the morgue. As as he leaves the room, the doctor said, I had this voice in my head that said to me, go back and try one more time. And I'm thinking, it's ridiculous. And <laughs> But he, he heard it again, go back and try. So he turns around, he tells the other doctor, look, give him one more time attempt. And the doctor said, well, what are you crazy? He said, 
no, but because the, he trusted the other doctor, it was a supervisory doctor, he said, all right, boom, the guy's heartbeat is restored, and um, he comes back to life, and he is uh, not only fully functional, there's no, in fact, the nurse was, was aghast because she's thinking, oh, my gosh, he's going to be totally brain dead without oxygen for that period of time. After eight minutes, your brain is irreversibly damaged. No, the guy's perfectly fine, and interestingly enough, he ends up, um, coming to faith that that person later, so he had not been a believer when he had died that first time. Mm-hmm. So what do you do with that? Now, what about near death experiences? Um, you know, uh, those there's some corroborated near death experiences that are pretty flabbergasting. Yeah. Uh, so a listener probably has one right here. My wife came out of a five day coma and saw a Bible with praying hands that was painted over on the wall that the nurse confirmed was there. Um, and he, yeah. and by the way, she had just been unplugged the day before because she had no brain activity. You know, there are, there are 53 cases documented by a neurosurgeon um, in, I believe, in the UK. It was published in a scientific journal. Um, 53 cases where people were flatlined with their brain waves, no brain waves, and yet uh, when they did come back, uh, they had uh, consciously experienced what had taken place when they were gone. Uh, one of the most famous cases is the woman who um, um, uh, died and um, um, reports go, you know, coming out of her body and watching as resuscitation efforts are going on. But then she floats through the hospital to the roof of the hospital, and on the roof of the hospital, on a ledge on the outside at a place you couldn't see, was a tennis shoe. And, and uh, so she ends up coming back. Uh, into her body, and she says, by the way, there's a tennis shoe up on a ledge on the eighth floor. And then what are you talking about? They go back, they find, it was exactly as she had described it, where she described it, the same color, the same, even the, the, the fact that the lace had been tucked under the heel. Whoa. <laughs> so what do you do with I mean, <laughs> that? I don't know. I know. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? Well, um, you wrote the book on it. You tell me. Yeah, well, I think something's going on. And what I think that shows us is that we are uh, not only a physical body, but we have a soul. We have Mm -hmm. a spirit that when we die separates from us and and, uh, remains separate uh, until the ultimate resurrection of the body. Uh, so it's, to me, it's confirmation of what the Bible teaches about um, us being dualistic, that is, being body and soul. Mm-hmm. So what is your feeling of the stories, Lee, where people have like had a, what they call, would call a crossover experience where they, you know, uh, had a, a, a glimpse of the afterlife? Yeah. I struggle you know, with that. I don't know um, if you do. I, I do. I, I'm here. Here's what I think. Um, I, I personally, and in fact, I'm writing a new book right now. So I've, I've gone out and I've documented a bunch of cases like the tennis shoe one I just mentioned, where there is physical corroboration of something they could not have known mm-hmm. um, had they not had this out-of-body experience. Now, they may say, I went on and I met Jesus and I had all these experiences, and I can't corroborate that. I don't know. What I do know is the basic corroboration tells me that there was a separate, it was an out-of-body experience. That tells me the Bible is right when it talks about us having a having a soul, being a soul, and having a body. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like to go beyond that, okay. uh, because, you know, we're dealing with stuff outside the Bible. 
Um, my friend uh, John Burke has written a book called Imagine Heaven, where he's documented a thousand near-death experience cases. And um, his contention as a theologian is that when you really study the cases carefully and originally, what you find is that they are remarkably, globally, they are remarkably consistent with Christian theology. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that's kind of the point of his book, which is published by an evangelical publisher, yeah. and I think is well done. But I, I don't like to get into that like you, because I, I just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And just a couple minutes left, Lee, but the greatest miracle is a person who has been hostile to the gospel and has rejected Christ their whole life. And a whole bunch of people have been praying for that person. And maybe a couple of weeks or a month before they pass, they come to a new faith in Christ and new life in Christ. I mean, I can't think of a bigger miracle than that. Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, we see that all the time. And, and thank God that, you know, I think of my father-in-law, who I led him to faith in the last cogent conversation before he died wow. after 89 years of being an wow. atheist. Wow. So, and yeah. he's going to be in heaven, you know. So there, There's your miracle right there. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I've been so uh, great talking to you, and I love, I know that you've, st- a lot of listeners are, are very interested in this, and uh, I know they'd be um, blessed to get a copy of your book, The Case for Miracles by Lee Strobel. Lee, I mean, if they want to see the, my talk on that, where I play that audio tape as well, that miracle, yeah. it's at strobelcenter.com. Strobel, S-T-R-O-B-E-L. Center, Center, all one word, dot dot com. com. And that's the pastor that gets his voice back halfway that's through right. the message? That's right. That's right. That tape is in there, as well as an interview with Barbara Snyder, who I mentioned, who has uh, healed of multiple sclerosis. Yeah, that's a pretty powerful uh, uh, piece of audio. I, I, yeah. I listened to that, and it was kind of in awe. It was really cool. Yeah. Lee, have a great weekend. Thanks so much for being with me. No, thank you, Bill. I appreciate yep. you and what you do. I appreciate that. Thanks so much. Lee Strobel has been my guest. Uh, his book that we've been chatting about is called The Case for Miracles. A journalist investigates evidence for the supernatural. That wraps up Hour 1. We're going to be back, though. Trillia Newbell is going to be joining me. And then uh, Friday with friends. Looking forward to Hour 2. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.